Hello and welcome to another episode of the Football Faithful Podcast. It's a full house this evening, so let's introduce the crew. My name is Sam Steen. I've got Peter Henry here. Hi, Peter. How's it going, lads? Danny Ward is back. Hi, Danny. Hey, lads. Welcome back. Uh, Carl Williams here too. Hi, Carl. How you doing, guys? And making his pod debut from the Shoot the Defence podcast, it's Del Stilianu. Hi, Estelle. Hi, guys. How you doing? Right. Very, very good. Uh, well, plenty to talk about, but let's uh, start on a, on a bright note. I want to hear your moments of the weekend. Peter, let's start with you. Um, yeah, skip to one of the other guys there, Sam, actually. I've been so negative this week that I haven't even been able to see anything positive. So, <laughs> give, 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 give me two. Give me two seconds and it'll come back to me, right? Uh, well, more, more on that then in a little while. Uh, Danny, what about you? Moment of the weekend. Uh, moment of the weekend for me, uh, Shane Duffy's 1-2. If anyone, if anyone saw that, uh, I know it wasn't an intentional one too, but it's not up there with the Cavani and Suarez of the World Cup. But uh, I thought uh, when the when the ball got crossed in and he played it back out to uh, the corner taker, took a lovely touch and finished it. Uh, that was my moment of the weekend, and his first goal as well in uh, in in the Premier League for a lad that scores quite readily for Ireland. He's one of many a lad uh, a few ball. I think at twenty eight to one, but uh, yeah, Shane Duffy's one too for me. All right, we'll take that, Peter. You got something now. Yeah, I'd say uh, Troy Deeney's pass uh, for Andre Gold's, uh, Andre Gray's goal. I thought that was uh, the strike of the ball to send it across like that. I thought it was beautiful. And his finish as well with the outside of the foot was uh, was brilliant as well. Because they're probably not the most, he's probably not the most fashionable of strikers, Troy Deeney. He's a bit of a throwback. So uh, to see he is him. a prison. Yeah, well, to to see him uh, execute a bit of technique like that, a, a, a driven cross like that, right onto a strike partner's build, I thought was uh, was top class. Very nice, Carl. Uh, can only be one for me, lads, and that's the man Harry Kane breaking his August duck. Uh, well, we'll come back to that uh, a little bit later on in the show. And Stella, what about you? Your moment of the weekend? Uh, I've got two, if I may. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first one is, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see Theo Walcott is still in Despacito mode with that hairstyle. Um, <laughs> that Central American he's still alive. influence. Yes, yeah, and he's still got the tash as well. So I think he's been watching Narcos or something like that too much. Sure. <laughs> um, and the second one is the decision to give West Ham that penalty. Um, the, the assistant referee tra- said it was a penalty. Um, so yeah, no you, no need for VAR, apparently. That absolutely fair enough. So that that's... I mean, does that count as a moment of the weekend? I suppose it does. Well, they, they got it right, I guess. Uh, Peter, let's uh, let's move on to United then, because this is there such a thing as the opposite of the moment of the weekend? Uh, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure where. Uh, well, it depends what colours you're wearing, Sam, you know? Uh, that's fair enough. Well, I, I know you've got your own colours, your red colours uh, nailed firmly to the mast. It was, a, it was a tough old day at the office, wasn't it? It, it, it was absolutely... Um, it was one of the worst Man United performances I've, I've ever seen. Yeah, listen, I, like I'm, I, I'm, I've massive respect for what Jose Mourinho has has achieved in the game, and um, I wanted him to be the Man United manager when Ferguson left. Um, I thought when they when they hired him, um, it was the right appointment at the time. I thought he'd come in and over the course of his usual kind of three seasons, he'd bring the the Premier League trophy back to Old Trafford. I, I knew I was fully aware there would be shit in the media, there would be negative performances on the pitch at times, negative tactics um, employed. But I thought that I fully believed that over the course of three seasons he, he'd bring back the, the the trophy to to United. Um, yesterday was a real kind of the moment that I finally kind of realised that that is not going to happen. Um, uh... 
<laughs> no, it, it was really, really, really bad. And, you know, I don't like to be somewhat, I don't like to be kind of shouting or sack your manager and stuff like that. But um, just with that group of players, with Jose Mourinho as, uh, as the manager and um, the board not backing him during the summer, it, it, it's just not going to happen. And I would say if there was a viable option out there now, I, I, I'd chop his head off right now and just get it over with as painlessly as possible. Um, the only other issue is there doesn't really seem to be that option out there. Um, Zidane's probably the only big-name coach out, out of work at the moment. But with Zidane, it sounds kind of ridiculous to say it, but considering he's won you know, three Champions Leagues on the trot, I'm not so. There's still a lot of question marks about Zidane in Spain, particularly about how good a coach he actually is, and whether that Real Madrid team that he had were so, you know, they were so experienced that they kind of masked his his deficiencies as a coach a little bit. Because I think one of the reasons why it's been so galling for a lot of Man United fans over the last couple of seasons is that you you have Spurs, you have Liverpool, you have Guardiola, or you know Man City at Guardiola, all have really distinct styles of play good attack and intense uh, football and I don't think you, you know you couldn't when you when you watch a, Sp- a Spurs or a Liverpool or a Man City you can you can say that's a clock team it's a pop team it's it's a Guardiola team I, I don't think Zidane would be the kind of lad who come into Man United and you'd you'd really get that you know because even that great Real Madrid team that's won three Champions Leagues in a row you wouldn't really be able to go that's how Real Madrid play you know so I, I'm not sure that there's actually a, a viable option out there to to replace him right now but I definitely don't think it's going to get it. okay they'll improve they'll be there around the, the top four but you, you, you get you get Jose Mourinho in to win the league and um, to challenge in the Champions League and there's no way that that team is going to be competing for the with Man City and Liverpool for the Premier League title and there's no way they're going to do anything in the Champions League either so what's the point in having Jose in there because you have to put up with all the rest of the shit you know so I do think now that there's there's a some you know the the main areas of the club you've got the board you've got the manager you've got the playing squad and I, I think they're all culpable for kind of the mess United are in a little bit at the moment I think the board not back them in the summer was 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 crazy and they made their decision to get him in they had to back him you know this story there's stories coming out at the moment very from credible sources saying that Ed Woodward told Mourinho that the only centre-back he would move for would be Rafael Varinan from Real Madrid because Ed Woodward thought that he's the only player who would actually be an upgrade on Man United's current centre-backs. That's a fucking joke. As yeah, I know. I mean, you, you, you sent me a message on, on WhatsApp basically just hammering into the centre-backs and obviously that's an area that Mourinho wanted to improve himself over over but he window, signed the two centre backs as well, which I'm not problem, taking away yeah. from that fact, you know. Peter, can I just can I just ask you a question? And I don't think it really got talked about last year, uh, and it's up my thought for a while. Um, just first, firstly, like Ed Woodward looks like he's actually morphing into one of the uh, the Glaziers. You not see that? Yeah. He just looks like he's getting more and more like that, one of those. That's why he's there. That's why he's so powerful because he keeps bringing in noodle sponsors and stuff. Yeah. You know, but he does. He must. But honestly. I honestly think that the book has to stop with Ed Woodward. Ever since uh, Dean, um, not Dean, sorry, um, David Gill left Man United, um, it ha- that hasn't there hasn't been the same chemistry. I don't think between the board and um, and the manager. And uh, Ed Woodward has been in charge of getting David Moyes in, 
he's been in charge of getting Van Gaal in, and now he's been in charge of getting Jose Mourinho in. Well, they he hasn't been to bring in a director of football now, won't they? Yeah, lads. Yeah, I, know, I, know, but it, I know, but it's a little. It might be a little bit late. They've they've made. He's made three mistakes in in the appointments. If you want to play the Man United way, or you know, have that style and all that, he's made the mistake every time when it comes to uh, getting in the manager. And it's like he hasn't been able to get deals over the line. He hasn't been able to get deals done. So something's got to change there. I wouldn't be necessarily looking straight at Jose Mourinho. I'd be yeah. looking a little bit above uh, that station and saying, is Ed Woodward up to the task? I don't think he yeah, is. Yeah, but you see, the, the, the way it works is, Danny, we've all been around football long enough. I, I, what I'm, I'm saying is, I haven't even got on to Mourinho yet, or the players, but like, there's three areas I highlighted, the players, the manager, and Ed Woodward. Now, we've all been around football long enough to know that, that, that when things start to go wrong, it's the manager who, who, who the book stops with and who lose their job, right? Because you can't sack an entire playing staff. And Ed Woodward is too powerful at that club because of the sponsorship and his marketing savvy, etc. To, to be the man to go. You know, it, they're, they're throwing away a cash cow. Um, that's not going to happen. Um, Mourinho doesn't, you know, he deserves a lot of stick as well. You know, as bad as them two centre-backs are, where yesterday, he signed them both. But, you know, for Ed Woodward to be telling Jose Mourinho how to build his defence is, is a bit ridiculous. Um, he hasn't played the media game well at all. Now, I do, and I've said this to you before, Sam, I think a lot of people read headlines and that's what sticks in people's heads because some of the stuff Mourinho might have said over the last couple of years is out of order, but some of it is just quite honest to the questions he's been asked. And if you read or watch his interviews, it can be very badly twisted at times in the media, although he doesn't do himself any favours. But like that... That performance yesterday, it was, as diabolical as it was, and it was by far the worst I've seen in, I can barely remember, maybe apart from the Champions League performance against Sevilla. Um, and going back, to maybe, going back maybe to that terrible performance away to City when they threw away the league. You remember that when they went to play for nil-nil under Fergie? That's kind of been airbrushed from history, though. Um, like, there was just no... Um, you know, like the 3-1 down... Whatever happened to kind of throwing a few jabs and then going for the big punch, you know, combination play, like right back and the right winger playing a couple of passes between themselves, pulling the other, pulling the other team out of out of uh, out of pockets of space so you can hurt them. It was just Pogba going for Hollywood balls, trying to take their whole defence out of it with one pass. There was no structure. There was no. It's like there's no pattern to their play. It was really abject. Like and the, the kind of sitting off and waiting for the other team to do something has been a theme in away games against lesser teams for a while. Um, and then I think the players as well, the, the the lack of desire and fight. Do you know how bad it was, lads? And this is this is to sum up how disgusted I was last night. It actually reminded me. I, I actually know what it feels like to be an Arsenal fan. Because, <laughs> no, seriously, like it was it was so bad. It reminded me of the most abject uh, Arsenal performance under Wenger. Defensively all over the place. No desire. The the body language between the players it was it was just it was it was disgraceful um, and I think there's a lot of players at United who aren't as good as other people make them out to be and um, remember last week when we tried to see how many Man United players would get into the Spurs team we could only pick De Gea that kind of sums a lot of it up for you um, they're not as good as they're made out to be they're not as good as people make them out they're not as good as they think they are so yeah it, it, there's there's you know, obviously, massive, massive problems there. And, uh, yeah, it's been a really, really tough, tough weekend <laughs> because it's all set against the backdrop of, of all the other teams starting really well. So, And it's just been a continuation of a kind of really negative summer. So, uh, 
Yeah, I do think there's a lot of players hiding behind Mourinho as well because, you know, well, they're not stupid. They know that if things go wrong, no one's going to be looking at them anymore. It's going to, you know, it's all going to come back and, and be blamed on how he's setting them up. Yeah, yeah, no, um, absolutely. So, yeah, listen, we'll, uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Big game against Spurs next week. Reports came out today, said he still has the backing, but he doesn't have the, the backing of the board because they didn't back him during the summer. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's a bit of a mess at the moment, lads. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Brighton three, United two. That was, and also uh, three two at Chelsea because they beat Arsenal. Uh, beat Arsenal. Uh, they continue their tough start. Uh, Stel, we'll go with you. A narrow loss. Um, two games in now. Are there signs of, of uh, improvement for Arsenal? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think okay. They they played the really high line in the first half, and they were they were very naive, but. They've got the players to turn it around. And by that, I mean, I don't think they're going to mount any title charge anytime soon, but they've got a a decent group of players. I just think that they're a work in progress and you can see there's a change in in their mentality and the change in the attitude. Players like Guendouzi have come in and, you know, Arsenal fans love to hype their players, especially on social media. But I think Guendouzi is going to be one of the uh, standout players this season. You can tell already, you know, his, his range of passing, his determination... Okay, he's he's very youthful and a bit naive, but at the same time, you could tell he's a player that that wants to play for the team. You he's know, got he's, balls. He, he does two, two, I think. Yeah, no. <laughs> but um, you know, I get what you mean, though. I get what you mean. He's um, he's he's he shows a lot more fight and determination than the likes of Mesut Özil does. You know, did, yeah. did, did you yeah. see his did you see his reaction when uh, I think he put a ball out wide and For uh, was, well, I, I think a bang, when a Bang Yang missed uh, that chance the first uh, chance from the exact same spot I think they had three really good chances from there he went down onto his hands and knees and started beating the turf so yeah. it looks like he, it matters to him he gives a shit and I'm yeah, sure yeah. Uh, any fan wants to see a little bit of that even if he is only what nineteen or twenty. Mm. You know, yeah, he's, uh, look, he's he's come from I think was it a, a League Two team in 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 uh, France, a second division team I think it is. Correct oh, yeah. if I'm wrong. Um, I don't know if they're in the first first division. I, I don't follow Liga unfortunately, but um, yeah, I think I think he's come from the same team as um, as Kashani uh, did. Yeah, I mean, La, it was Larian, yeah. That's right, yeah. So, but l- listen, I, like I say, he's he's a good player, but. There's something in in my mind that it's just the the, the pessimist or the skeptic in me just says a lot of these Arsenal players do things for the camera. Henri did it a lot, you know. And um, social media is a very powerful tool, and I think social media kind of determines the value of a player, especially when it comes to contract renewals and everything. So I think the more posit- positivity he he receives on social media, the more it kind of boosts his his uh, stock value. But again, that, that's just me being, you know, shooting Arsenal down because, you know, I don't have much love for him, to be fair. <laughs> well, it's West Ham next for them, so hopefully they can start to put some points on the board. Uh, but it was another win for Chelsea and Hazard has confirmed that he's going to be staying and, uh, and once again proved the difference when he came on. He was excellent. Yeah, he's great. He had a good World Cup, didn't he? Um, and I think if Chelsea, just, they need to keep hold of him, don't they, no matter what. Because if he'd left as well as Quartar, then... You could see another Chelsea meltdown come in there because he is a game changer. You know, the, the guy is special um, and you would imagine Madrid would have been looking that way after Ronaldo went. So if they can keep him fit and he's firing, um, they might need to sort themselves out defensively because Arsenal could have had at least four or five in that first half if they'd taken their chances. Um, so, yeah, I think they've got to sort themselves out defensively, but they're playing the attacking football that they wanted to play now. So, 
we'll see how they get on. But defensively, they're 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 there for the taking at the moment. Yeah, Carl, it doesn't look like. Um, I, I think I read a good piece of tactical analysis before the game, and the guy actually said that this is two teams who are being asked to play massively differently than they were in the last few seasons. So there'll definitely be goals, and the guy was absolutely spot on. But like he highlighted that. Like David Luiz is a fine footballer, don't get me wrong, um, but he's not—he's not defensively minded enough, I don't think, to play in a in a back four. You know, he's really suited to having another two guys beside him in a, in a back three, the way Conte did it, even if he did fall out with Conte. And uh, it was the same against City in the Charity Shield as well. I, I think Chelsea could be one of the real entertainers. There's going to be a lot of goals at both ends in their games this season. Uh, let's move on to Spurs then, uh, Carl, because we didn't get a chat to you last week and obviously, well, you're back at Wembley again. How's that? Yeah, I think that's a major disappointment for everyone, obviously. Um, you know, I, I literally, the day before they announced that, I'd actually gone to the ground with my boy to show him round it. And as soon as we got there and we was walking round, you could see that you're sitting there thinking that this is meant to be ready in a month's time. They have got no hope because it, some of it is still just just a wreck and you kind of thought well I know you know you know they're working day and night but there still was a lot to do to get that football stadium support already in a month's time so I was very doubtful when we visited and then the next day obviously they broke the news saying we're back at Wembley um, and that kind of you know cemented the summer that the club had had you know the supporters things on Twitter and that it was a uh, there was kind of like Tottenham civil wars going on, you know, with the people who leave the out brigade versus the leave the in guys. Um, so it wasn't great timing for them. And, and it's not great for us to be going back there because it just throws the season into turmoil about when will that first game be? Who's it going to be against? We don't want City at home. Fuck me. We'll get annihilated <laughs> first game in the new stadium. And no one really wants that on the record. So I'd definitely delay it a bit longer than that. Um, but yeah, another blow to what was a disappointing transfer window. But we've still got a great squad. Um, and the start they've got off to kind of shows that, yeah, OK, you know, if they carry on that sort of way, then, you know, no one, people might go, all right, actually, it wasn't as bad as we thought. But we needed to add one or two, definitely, to spice things up a little bit and, and make a, you know, a show of intent. But they've started off well. Um, yeah, solid win, 3-1 against Fulham. And, uh, yeah. you know, good to see, as you, as you mentioned earlier, Kane getting on the score sheet in August, which is always nice. Trippier looked fantastic. But Potch apparently afterwards was saying that, well, just that he expected more from them. Is that fair? I think it, that, that game was, it was similar to the games we'd had there last year at the start against teams like Burnley and that. You know, we started off well. And one of the things Spurs had done in their last year at White Hart Lane was they finally sort of learned how to get an early goal against those sort of teams, which then opened the game up. And we could we used to go on and get three and four quite comfortably. And then Wembley, all of a sudden teams sat deeper and we couldn't break them down. And if we don't get that early goal, things become a little bit tense there. And it, it was just a repeat of that. You know, we had all the early play. We're creating some good chances. Didn't stick the ball away. Then we finally get the goal. But second half, well, they they started so slowly and Fulham came out and played some decent stuff. Then they get their equaliser and, you know, we were quite fortunate not to go 2-1 down just after that. 
But then, you know, Poch changes it and fair credit to him because he made some early subs this time rather than leaving it. And, and those players came on and did make a difference. And in the end, then it was quite comfortable once he'd got the second. So, yeah, a good start. But, yeah, I think he will want a little bit more out of them because there's, there's pressure now this year. You know, this, this is a season where I think it is make or break for some of those big players. You know, it's either they win something and start to look like they can push on or if it's another disappointing season with no trophies, then I think some of those bigger players will actually start to go, well, you know what, maybe uh, maybe it's time for me to look at moving on now. Mm. Uh, alas for Fulham, Danny, but uh, they look good again. Is it a case of just sort of finding their feet in the Premier League, or are they going to be one of these teams that play nice football but ultimately go down? No, I think they'll have a little bit, uh, a little bit more about them than um, than some teams that come up. And uh, they spent a lot of money. They've spent a lot, an awful lot of money. I know a lot of a lot of clubs have. I really like the look of uh, Jean Michel Serry. Um, linked with you know Barcelona's and Liverpool's uh, last summer, so uh, that's a bit of a coup to get him. Uh, Ryan Sessegnon looks like he's uh, been playing the Premier League for a long time. Mitrovic, who I thought was a bit of a lump, maybe. Uh, he did okay. He did okay for me. Uh, he caused him a couple of problems. I think he had a chance to hit the post. Uh, if he could finish, he'd be brilliant. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because he is a handful. He just he just looks unorthodox. But um, yeah, no, I think Fulham would be okay. Um, if, if you know, if you go through the side, they spent, as I said, they spent a lot of money. Uh, I really like your man Tom Kearney. You know, I, I I can see, I only see him getting better and better. But I think I think that'll be absolutely fine. And and you have to you have to remember that Craven College is a bit of a fortress. Uh, it's always been one of the toughest grounds uh, to go to in the Premier League or or the Championship. Um, and I don't think many clubs like going there. It's it's quite compact. Uh, the fans are very good, and I just think I just think they'll have enough. Uh, I don't think they're the best of the promoted sides to have gone up, um, but I think they'll have more than the likes of like a Huddersfield. Uh, I think Huddersfield will struggle. I think Newcastle might struggle. Uh, Cardiff will definitely struggle. So yeah, no, I, I think they'll be okay. I, I'd, I'd kind of look at them and say, right, if they're fifteenth or sixteenth. Um, I think that they take it, obviously, but uh, I think they'll, they'll be fine. And they did give Spurs a couple of scares. And if they if they had taken the lead, uh, you wouldn't have known what way the game would have gone. But um, yeah, I think they'll be fine, as I said. I worry a little bit for Fulham because th- their back line uh, is is very. Yeah, not just that. It's, it's the personnel that they've got. I mean, look, Fossil Mensa, they got him literally last minute. I know, you know, he, he was half decent at Crystal Palace, but he isn't ready to, to play regularly for, for a Premier League team, I don't believe. Callum Chambers, I, th- I think he's dreadful, to be fair. Um, and then Le Marchand, I don't know too much about him. And Brian, the left back, I, I don't know. There's, there's something about them. And I think because they signed so many players at such a short period of time that he's trying to bed them in, similar with West Ham. I think Fulham might struggle this season, but I think you're spot on with the home form. That 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 will probably keep them up because it is a very difficult place to go to. It's, I know it's a cliche, but it's one of those traditional grounds, isn't it? Whereby the the fans are right on top of you. Yeah, I, I think uh, like I know what you're saying as well. But I look at teams like that sometimes that come up to play really good football, and it's admirable and stuff uh, to, to do that. But I just think it's such a massive step up. Like I was the first half against Spurs. They caused themselves a lot of problems by being caught by Spurs' high press. So it's like when you come up against teams like, like obviously there's a massive uh, talent step up yeah, to playing out from the back in the championship to what against the likes of a Spurs or a, a Man City that are 
that are uh, renowned for their high presses. Now, you're not going to be playing them every week. So I just look and, and think, you're playing Spurs, you know, forget about playing out the back th- from the back this week. You, you have Mitrovic up front. Just kind of, you know, just play into him a bit more or mix it up a bit. I, I, I think sometimes, you know, with, with teams like that, it's good that they play football. But if, if they're stubborn about how much football they're going to play, it, it can just cause them so many problems. And, and I think... Like you said, Callum Chambers and, and Fashu Mensah and stuff, if they're put under pressure by a decent high press, you're going to get chances against them. Like You don't want to confuse players, though, I don't think, Peter. I don't think... Like if, you're, if you're telling a player, right, OK, we're going to play one way this week and one way the next week and one way... They're not the smartest cookies, these these footballers. I, and I do think you have to tr- trust your method. Uh, and I, I know we spoke about it last year. You're going to get... A, being, you're going to get... being adaptable for certain uh, games. Daniel. Yeah, I know, but... I know, but you're gonna get it. You're gonna get beaten sometimes. But I, I think Fulham, if Fulham play the way that they can do against nine or ten of the sides um, that are around the same standard as them, yeah. I think they have enough good football about them to, uh, to to stay up. I know they're gonna they're gonna get tonked a couple of times. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I, I think they'll be all right. Well, Jokanovic is a very highly rated coach, and it wouldn't surprise me if you know a, a Spanish team or an Italian team come in for him midway through the season. Um, it's, Chelsea you know, wanted them supposedly. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. They're going on top of that. Do they have like a plan B, or can they change their system? Because if you look at Spurs at the weekend, you know Pochettino, he was happy to take off uh, Sanchez and bring on Dembele, and then switch um, for Tongan to say a centre back. Um, and, and they really got in behind uh, Fulham. They, they they kind of suffocated them in the middle of the park as well. So again, is it the in-game management? Is it too many players? I mean. Look, only time will tell. But again, I'm I'm a little bit worried for them. I don't think they're going to be like rock bottom. I think that'll be Cardiff's uh, tag, so to speak. But um, I, I think they'll struggle a little bit. And uh, of course, the other team they played were uh, were Spurs, and we spoke with them a little while ago, Peter. Just very quickly, they play United next. You worried? Um. Yeah. Well, yes. No. It's a big game. Um. Every game seems like it's it, it's a must win for you for United. I said that last week. Even the first season felt like a must win. But I actually fancy um United to to get a win next week. Uh, Spurs. I've a lot of respect for Spurs. I think they're they're a really good team. A lot of respect for Puck. But that team. I think Carla backed me up on this. They haven't really showed up at Old Trafford in the last few seasons. Uh, I, I don't think we, we haven't beat you there in five games, Pete. I don't think. Yeah, well, I'd say it's probably yeah, you've, yeah in about and the, the one time before that was the first time in God knows how many years. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, it's not a favourite ground of ours. No, um, so I, I actually fancy United to get a. It'll be you know not a great performance, but they'll get over the line one nil and that I reckon. Pete, I'm I'm worried, mate. As a, as a United fan, I'm, I'm actually worried about this game a lot yeah. because. Give it, give it. You know they say you're only as good as your last performance. I mean, you yeah. said it yourself. Our performance against Brighton was absolutely dreadful. I mean, yeah. it, I'm not going to put it up there as as one of the worst because I remember going, was it eight games without a win under Van Hal and 404 minutes without a goal. <laughs> so um, it, it's not at that level. But you know, when Pogba comes out saying, you know, the attitude that that we had wasn't wasn't the best, and my attitude wasn't right. I'm like, hang about, you're the captain. You'd never yeah. hear Roy Keane say that. You'd never hear Gary Neville. You'd, you know, and I know it, it might sound like I'm living in the past here, but for Christ's sake, you know, you're you're the captain of Manchester United football, and it's not just Man United. It's the captain of any team to come out and say, "Oh, my attitude wasn't right." Well, what was your attitude? What was yeah, it? Listen, because Stel, you know, apart, you know apart from apart from getting balloons with nitrous oxide like he was doing over the summer, you know, come on now. Now, listen. What what really worried me about that interview, um, because. 
okay, he, he came out and he said what everybody knew. And the comments Mourinho made about Pogba, that supposedly why his camp have, have been raging with Mourinho, is basically saying that, you know, in the World Cup, it's easy for him to get up for games, but not at Man United where you play, you know, Man City one week and then you're away to someone like Brighton. That, you know, there's a weak mentality among certain players. And that, that's exactly what Pogba came out and, and said afterwards. But what really, really worried me about that was, he came out, and what he was saying, fair enough, he fronted up, as they like to say these days. But you look and look, watch that interview. Look at look at his face. Look at his eyes. He was saying words, but he didn't give a bollocks. Mm. He really didn't care. Like, yeah. um, and that's what worried me more than the words. And, and, and you know, the thing is, from from a tactical perspective, when I look at us from from front to back, do, does Anthony Martial have? what it takes to take on Kieran Drippy because for me Anthony Martial he's like a Nicholas Anelka you know he's the lazy, lazy, lazy bollocks he doesn't yeah. get by the man the first time that's Martial gone if he mm. gets by him the first time he'll have a good game no he's not the first winger to do that but now listen Martial has all the talent in the world and I've never doubted that but talent isn't enough any top footballer will tell you that and uh, he's one of a few players there that I just don't think has the right attitude there's a lot of people say who come back to haunt you I don't think there's much of a chance of Martial doing that because I just don't think he, he wants it enough. If I'm honest, I don't think. I don't oh, think, that, I don't that, think that's a leave. clip I need to uh, I need to cut out just in case. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I, I don't think he'll, he'll be sold. I don't think he'll be sold because I, I, there's more chance of Mourinho getting sat than there is Martial or Pogba yeah. being sold because Woodward loves them because yeah. they're cash cows. Again, yeah. it goes back to social media. Look at the love Martial and, and Pogba get, and you know, in terms of you know people, you, know, Mar, you hear about Martial FC and whatnot. Right, Woodward wants these players because they're, they're they're more people to put in the portfolio. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we're not letting Potch anywhere near Old Trafford on Saturday yeah. in case you <laughs> fucking tap him up. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably a good idea. Anyway, uh, still to come on the show, we'll chat about Man City. Uh, we'll have Everton as well, and of course, uh, prick of the week. But first, it's time for a quiz. Are you ready for part one of the quiz, lads? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, well, Danny, it's your favourite. It's the I'm going to name a whole load of teams that a player played for, and then you yes. identify the player by the teams that he played for. Game. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, remember, lads, I'm going to just say the names of the teams. You say your name, and then it's your guess. If you get it wrong, uh, well, you're out, and we'll just continue on because there's so many people. Okay? Yep. Uh, so you've got one go per, per player, all right? Team number one is Cologne. Danny. Lucas Podolski. Oh, sorry, go on, Danny. Danny. Lucas Podolski. That's correct. <laughs> I was, was going to say it. I was going to say it. That is correct. Also played for Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Inter on loan, Galatasaray, and now apparently at Vissel Kobe, wherever the fuck they are. Uh, Japan. Japan. There you go. Thank you. Oh, sorry about that. I got cut off. <laughs> sure. Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> All right, player number two, and uh, we'll knock it on the head after this and come back to it a bit later just to raise the tension a little bit. Uh, so, player number two started his career at Blackburn Rovers. Danny. Danny. Uh, Graham Lasseau. No. Uh, then played Not for it. Manchester United. Danny. Danny. You're gone. Danny, you're Danny, gone. Danny, you're gone. You're gone. Are they? Yeah. Didn't know that. Uh, Peter. Peter. Henningberg. No, no, sorry. No, you're, 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 you're gone. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. David May. You're gone. You're gone, Peter. 
I was going to say David Mayo. Uh, but you're gone. Next player, next team is Huddersfield Town. Carlin Stell. He's still in. Yeah, I'm. I'm still in. Uh, well, we, we're guessing the player based on the previous teams, yeah. 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 Uh, you said Blackburn, Man United, Huddersfield. Uh, I'm going to go with David May. Like it is said. David May. How did he get that? Half a Very good. <laughs> I get half a point for that. No. I think Henning Berg went back to Blackburn after United. I don't think he started his career at Blackburn either. Yeah, we've, exactly. had, we've had him on before as well. Anyway, so right. So there's a point for Danny and a point for Stell. We'll come back to that a little bit later. But let's talk about Man City now, who absolutely battered Huddersfield six-one. De Bruyne, who Peter? Yeah, I, I actually, it kind of fed into, uh, on last week's pod, I said that, you know, everybody should be, be very afraid of Man City, because I think that even if you take players out of that team now, they're so ingrained in, in Guardiola's uh, philosophy and the likes of Bernardo Silva and, and other kind of squad players from last season have actually come on leaps and bounds. <coughs> even though I said it, and I very much believed it, when uh, I heard the news of De Bruyne's serious knee injury, I kind of thought to myself, well, maybe, just maybe, they'll drop off a little bit because it's different when there's somebody on the bench and you know he's around to when you just know it's not an option. But, uh, yeah, listen, Huddersfield, I think, are by far one of the worst teams in the division. Um, They'll really, really struggle this season. But, yeah, Man City are just, some of the football they're playing is is phenomenal. Um, I, I actually still stick by what I said last season. I think this Man City team is the best team that the Premier League has ever seen. You know, people will always say they like to look back, they'll say the likes of Arsenal Wenger's Arsenal or, or Fergie's Man United, but <coughs> Guardiola smashed the points total, smashed the most amount of goals scored at a time when the Premier League is at its most competitive level ever. They're just a class apart city and they're going to be handing out a lot of shellackings all season to other teams. I think Ederson might be the best long-range passer in the Premier League, to be honest with you. The way that man can strike a ball is just phenomenal. Um, yeah, listen, Sergio Aguero as well. If he stayed fit and played 38 games, you know, which he never actually does. He'd score know, about 100 goals, wouldn't he, by the end of the season, it feels like sometimes. Actually, Danny, yeah. it's funny just chatting about Aguero there because I think there's probably been plenty of times over the, well, since Guardiola took charge that we've all thought that he wouldn't be Guardiola's first choice striker if he could, you know in a perfect world for Guardiola but he just keeps scoring goals whenever he plays yeah he's the he's the best finisher he's the best finisher the Premier League has ever seen and I'd say he'd be I'd say he'd have uh, he'd probably have the record for the most goals in the Premier League if uh, as, as Peter said if he kept himself fit all the time um yeah it, it was like sometimes I think a manager nearly has to suck it up and say all right this guy's not giving me exactly what I want from you know from a, a penetration or a defensive uh, format. You know what I mean? You can look at it like that, and that's why Jesus it looked like it was going to be would Aguero would Aguero maybe have to uh, to move on? You know, and there would have been every club in the world would have been queuing up behind him to get him. He's that good, and I think Guardiola has said to himself, "All right, I'm not I'm not getting everything I want from him." Um, as I said, defensively, not. But can this boy finish? Yes, he can, and he's he's as good as his finish. His little back heel finish. He makes that look so easy. He makes it look like Glenn Murray against United. He honestly, <laughs> he, he he makes he did make that last one look. You know, if if one of us had done that, you know, you're you're down the pub and you're talking about it. You're getting a, a year out of that. 
<laughs> I'd say he does I that seven or eight times. Yeah, I'd say he's doing that seven or eight times a day in training. No, no one looks surprised. The the relationship he has with uh, Bernard Mendy, it's frightening. I haven't seen someone whip a ball in first time with such pace and accuracy as Mendy does, and he's going to give them another string to their bow this year. Because the thing about Mendy is, it's incredible because he's just been out for so long, but he yeah, seems to yeah. just fit into that thing so quickly. And I suppose because he's been so present on social media and all that kind of yeah, thing you know he didn't yeah. really drop out of any of our consciousness no, he, but no, no, we've never did. really seen but him had we i was gonna say like like uh city really missed him last year now if city really missed him and he's gonna bring them to another level we're all <laughs> fucked we may just we may just pack up now because uh for a fullback who's not he's not really a fullback he whips that ball in like Man. i think one went into the keeper, uh, 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 Ben Hamer's hands there, and it looks like it should be routine, but just because of the pace he's putting the cross, uh, and I think I can see Aguero profiting because Aguero's movement is second to none. I think in the in in the box, I can just see him. Um, I can just see uh, those two just striking up a, a great relationship, and the amount of goals. If I was to go out on a limb and say if he plays thirty games this season, Aguero, he'll score thirty five goals, league goals. I think he'll break the I think he'll if he stays fit, I think he'll break the uh, the Premier League goal scoring record this year. Really yeah, do. Yeah. And uh Carl uh Peter just mentioned there about Huddersfield are they doomed? It's gonna be a long hard season for him this year, isn't it? Um I think there's that second season syndrome where they probably haven't brought in Anybody that you kind of go is going to give them that much more quality than last year. Um, so, yeah, I, I see them really struggling this year. Um, and they could be one of the three that go down. I, I can't see them managing to survive the year. But it, that n- no one's going to, you know, City a game, they know they wouldn't have got nothing out of that game. But I don't think they'd have wanted to be beaten as heavily as they were. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's going to be a, it's going to be a long Long, hard season for them, I imagine. Uh, let's crack on. We'll go on to Everton then. They beat Southampton 2-1. And still, Everton, they finally got their man in uh, in Marco Silva, and he really has them playing very, very well indeed. Yeah, he does. Um, there's a lot of confidence at Everton. That front four of theirs is, is quite scary. I think it was funny what Phil Neville said on Match of the Day, that it's Everton's year, but Everton's year for what? <laughs> I don't know what he meant by that, really. I was like, Phil, tell us. Are you going to mention your wife again? I don't know. Um but no, that he's he's got them well drilled. Um, he's brought in some some players that, you know, like Yeromina and Gomez who are yet to play. Um, there's, there's a I know a few Everton fans and they're very optimistic about the season. They're not they're not going into another season where it's like oh god, you know, we'll be happy with mid table or surviving, you know. And I think that's just, I think that just happens. Like once Sam leaves, you just get this. <laughs> you get, it, can only get it can only go one way, yeah. Exactly, you know. But um, and they've got Jordan Pickford that can kung fu anyone and get away with it. So um, yeah, it's 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 just one of those. Like they've got they've got a good squad. Um, I don't see them challenging for top four. Um, I don't think they've got enough goals in them. I know you know Richarlison has started well, but we saw him at Watford going off. Going off the boil a bit come December time. I don't know whether he's not used to the weather yet. I don't know. No, he played um, a lot of football though, didn't he, Stella? He, he did. Like the way he came over, he didn't actually even have a break. I think a lot of people kind of accepted that's that. That's right. That's right. I mean, it, it, it coincided with Silva's drop in sort of form and, and interest almost in the Watford project, yeah. didn't it? So yeah. his head his head was turned, wasn't it? But yeah. um, you know, but then again, you know, I, I know they got Chank Tosin and he's done really really well. But to be fair, lads, I mean. They've got Morgan Schneiderlin for Christ's sake. He's awful. You know, I, I can't. You know, I can't take him serious. I really can't take him serious with him in the team. 
you know. But having said that, you know they, they've got a good uh, good base. They've got a good manager, um, and I, I think they'll they'll do pretty well. I think they'll probably aim for seventh or sixth. Um, so yeah, yeah. But he's got he's got them doing well so far. So yeah, it's one of these things. I guess that if Phil Neville's going to be saying it's kind of their year, it's they're the kind of team that you'd love to see really have a good go at the FA Cup or something like that. Mm, absolutely. You know, if you're not going to win the league, if you're not, you know, just have a proper go at that, it'd be really nice. But yeah. uh, I, think, uh, I think it's nice to see Seamus Coleman back as well. Like Seamus Coleman, you know, he's captain, captain at the moment. Captain, yeah. 200 That's Premier right. League appearance. That's right. You know, he's um, you know, had a really bad injury. He's come back. And I think he's one of the best right backs in the league. To be fair, very underrated. Very underrated. Uh, what about uh, Southampton then? Hughes thought that Pickford should have been sent off for uh, bringing down Ings. Was it? A, was he fair? Was it right? Should he have? Who? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think he should have gone. I think yeah. he should have gone. I really do. But um, it's just one of those things. I remember when Edison got taken up by Mane. I know this wasn't head height, but if you look <laughs> at um, Danny Ings' shirt and the the the, the back of what well, his back on is on his tramp stamp, um, you'll see uh, the, the 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 injury there. But listen, these things happen, and I've got no um, no love for Mark Hughes, so he can moan as much as he wants. Oh, sorry, Leslie Hughes, as he's as he's called. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think Pickford's riding the wave of the World Cup with England. He the is. England players going right. We we'll just smash lads. None of the refs are going to send us off this year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, <laughs> I know Jamie Vardy didn't get away with it the other day, but um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Pickford. But Pickford reminds me a little bit like Joe Hart in the sense that he's he's really pumped before every game. I don't know whether he drinks like eight Red Bulls before every game. Um, that's his pre-match meal, I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they did manage to get on the, on the score sheet in the end and perhaps uh, should have had uh, should have had a, you know, a bit of rub of the green with Pickford maybe been sent off, but still problems in front of goal for Southampton, still struggling to score uh, or, you know, struggling to finish the chances that they are creating. How do you think they're going to be? We didn't get to talk about them last week. Are they going to be solidly mid-table or are they going to be struggling again? Uh, I, I hope they struggle because of Mark Hughes. I don't like him. But <laughs> no, I, I, again, when you've got someone like... I mean, look, Shane Long doesn't get enough goals. Um, they rely a bit too much on Charlie Austin. Uh, I don't know what's happened to Gabby Adini. When he came, when he first joined Southampton, he was buzzing. Yeah. And yeah. then afterwards, he just stopped scoring. They're going to rely a lot on Nathan Redmond to, to supply uh, and Lemina as well. But... I don't know, I think they're going to struggle. I think when you take away players like, okay, Van Dyke's gone, I don't think they've replaced him. Uh, there's going to be a bit more emphasis on Ward-Prowse to stamp his authority on games. Uh, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be one of those seasons for them. They'll be, they'll be fighting, fighting the drop unless they change managers, um, which I hope they do. But they've had so, like, the, the problems in front of goal, like, that's why they got rid of Puel, you know, and the same thing happened with Pellegrino, and now it's happening with you again. Like, surely, like you'd surely just have your strikers out hitting a hundred balls, even into empty nets. Do you know what I mean? Because if they just can't seem to score goals, it's been going on for about three seasons now. Like, yeah. it's bad scouting though. Since Cortese left, they haven't really had a director of football there to kind of guide the managers. Um, and it, I, look, it, I don't know what's happening with their youth. Because we saw at one point they brought in so many players. They brought through Gareth Bale, they brought through Theo Walcott, Chamberlain, whatnot. And then they started selling all their players to Liverpool. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I think they're going to struggle this season. They haven't had a great transfer window, as I said. Um, OK, Danny Ings will thrive there. But will he be the, the player getting 15, 20 goals or at least 10 to keep them up? I, I don't know. I don't know. Really, they're going to struggle. 
I think Ings will get them loads of dirty goals. The type of goal he got the other day, he'll get those sorts of goals. But uh, I don't see him, I think you're right there, Stel, I don't see him as a, a 20 Premier League. He might get 15 no. in all competitions. Um, Gabby Adini, that's one, like I was, as a Liverpool fan, I was lining him. When he first time, when he came in January, I was already, you know, getting the jersey. Oh, well, I, I was just thinking, right, this is our next sign, and, you know, it's just going to cost us an extra 50 million for what they <laughs> bought him for. But uh, geez, against United, wasn't it, in the League Cup final, he got two. He looked, he looked a real player. And I think Could have had since, a third. Should have yeah, had a third, actually, yeah. but wrong, uh, wrongly disallowed goal, so yeah. Yeah, and ever since then, it's just, uh, it's just gone, it's just gone. P Tong for them all together, um, mm. but uh, yeah, no, the, the four of the four or five decent strikers, you know, but just between them, there just doesn't seem to be anyone that can, you know, go on a you know, a good run. Charlie Austin will come in and give you four or five games and, and score two penalties and a bad header, and then he's gone. You know, the no one just seems to be able to say, you know, cement their place and say, right, I'm the number nine here. Uh, it's my jersey, and I'm going to get you 25 goals. Uh, well, as we were recording, of course, Liverpool are playing. Danny, do you want to just give us a quick update on where we are on that one? Uh, yeah, Liverpool are uh, Liverpool are on top, um, playing quite well. Uh, Andres and Andros Townsend just had a, a cracking shot there, though. Uh, hit the crossbar, had Alisson beating all ends up uh, from a sloppy pass from Naby Keita. Uh, Mo Salah nearly scored a worldie, a little ball over the top with a lovely lovely touch and he tried to lift it over Hennessy and put it over the bar but uh, Liverpool have had a few chances uh, bossed the possession but the Palace as, as always uh, looked dangerous on the break so uh, still nil all after 27 minutes back to you Jeff <laughs> come on the Eagles come on uh, and actually maybe just, just so we can see how this goes do you want to give us a quick prediction and if you're woefully wrong then we'll definitely leave it in ok yeah uh, Liverpool to win 2-1 right, 2-0 fair 2-0 fair Right, are we ready for part two of the quiz? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. All right, Stell's still here, and uh, Carla's dropped out. Scores are one all. Stell and Danny. Peter, you need to catch up if you're going to be in with a chance of retaining your crown, I'm afraid. So, uh, if you've, for some reason, skipped on through the earlier parts of this, what we're doing is I'm naming a whole load of teams that a player has played for, and the guys are going to identify the player by the teams that he's played for. Pretty simple. Uh, right then. Team number one, Baldock Town. No, actually, no, sorry. <laughs> I'd be disqualified. I'd be disqualified. Yeah. Just for, for humour, I was going to say Grand Hope. Uh No, no. Uh, team number two, Watford. Danny. Danny. Uh, John Burns. No, and you're out, Danny. You're out. Uh, straight shootout between the boys then. So, next... The next team that this player has played for is Sunderland. Peter. Peter. Kevin Phillips. It is Kevin Phillips, so we knew that one. Very good. Southampton, Aston Villa, West Brom, Birmingham City, Blackpool, Crystal Palace and Leicester City before he retired back in uh, 2014. Last, oh, last Englishman to win the European Golden Boot, lads. There you go, there you go. All right. It's, uh, it was all because piece. of Niall Quinn. It was all yeah, because of Niall Quinn. Yeah, you it. it was. <laughs> uh, one apiece. I mean, we could have it. I suppose it makes sense to have this one as the deciding one, okay? Yeah, yeah. So, you got to be quick and you got to be sure as well or else you're out. So, this player started his career at Portsmouth. Then he played for Tottenham Hotspur. Then he played for Birmingham City. Peter. Peter. Kevin Davis. No. No. 
No, something Davis, wasn't it? Portsmouth. No, no. Okay. All right, so it's between Stell and Danny then for the win. Portsmouth, uh, Spurs, Birmingham City, and then he went across town to Wolverhampton Wonders. I know this one. I know Danny. This one. Danny. Danny. Jamie O'Hara. No. Yeah, Stell. Say your name, Stell. Okay, Stell. Stell. <laughs> uh, sick note. Yeah, exactly. And his name, Darren Anderson. Anderson. Very well done. Stell, on your debut, smashing the quiz. Well done to you. Congratulations. Uh, Well, we're almost at the end of the show, which really means we just have to do uh, Prick of the Week. Peter, let's start with you. Who have you got? I'm going to go with uh, with Eric Bailly. Like, he's always looked, you know, like an accident waiting to happen. But honestly, like, he looked like he was drunk yesterday. (laughs) Um, You know, when United got back into into the game 2-1, Probably not deserved, and then you know it was comedy errors um, that led up to the penalty. Giving away that penalty was just ridiculous. Um, he was never going to get the ball. Player was running away from the goal on his wrong foot. Um, just a complete lack of composure. And he even booted the ball out in the build-up to the second goal as well. When he was about 40 yards out from goal, he completely mishit it out for a, a corner. So uh, sorry, Eric, but uh, you are a massive prick this week. Uh, that's fair enough, I think. Uh, Danny, who have you got? Uh, even though it's not true, because uh, I'd I, I'd heard something, then I heard it wasn't true, I'm still going to go with Bobby Madley, just for the crack. Um, What's the story? Bobby Madley, you haven't heard this the story? The referee. The referee who just uh, announced his retirement. Bucking uh, mad. At, at, at 32 years of age, and then uh, an online rumour, Twitter rumour, spread like wildfire that he was caught, uh, nonsense as uh, dog. And uh, <laughs> video was meant to be up and all that, and just some lad just thought, yeah, he just the guy that started the rumor, uh, just said, um, he just looks like the sort of lad that would, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, I thought it was true. I I spent two days thinking it was true. Like, yeah, I always thought, you know, a quick year to just go. Yeah, I always thought there was something weird about him. And referees are a weird bunch, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's not true at all. So. He doesn't look like he's 32 either, does he? Jesus no, Christ. No, he doesn't. I'd have had him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and Stel, who have you got? Oof. Well, when I, when I got the question, I thought, oh, this is going to be an easy one. I was going to go for half the United team, to be fair. Uh, but then I, then I saw QPR's result of the weekend, and I thought, it's got to be Tony Fernandez for thinking that Steve McLaren can actually do anything with, with yeah. QPR, do anything <laughs> anymore. But then I thought, nah, that's not fair on Steve McLaren. You know, he looks like he needs a bit of a hand in life. Um, so I'm going to go with Jamie Vardy for that tackle, really. Yeah. I, I just think it's a horrible, horrible challenge. No, he's, and he's got that streak in him. Plus, yeah. he's a, plus I'm a little bit less. Yeah, plus uh, you know that those those racial comments he made towards Japanese people a few years ago and getting away with it, and I don't know how. Too, too much Skittles vodka. That's what yeah, true, <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah, or, or Stella Arto, I don't know, but how I don't know if you can look Okazaki in his in his eyes. I don't know how he can do it, but yeah. So Jamie Vardy is, is my pick. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's it's fair enough. I think we can all agree Jamie Jamie Vardy is some prick. Absolute mm. prick. But uh, mm-hmm. there was one, one thing I was going to mention. We didn't talk about it last week, which was uh, this thing about La Liga. Now, I know we talk about the, the Premier League mostly in this show, but La Liga uh, agreeing to do a game over in the States. What do we think about this? And what do you think about uh, the Premier League possibly doing it? Because I know that they talked about doing the 39th game. That's not what La Liga are doing. They're just seemingly moving some of the games over there or something like that. So what, what, what would, how do you feel if your club was playing one of their games in I don't know New York, Atlanta, wherever. Yeah, I, think, I, I think it's the beginning of the end if they start doing that. 
I really, I really do. Just for for smaller clubs, it's just it, football is just becoming so elitist at the moment as it is. Talking about big super European super leagues, and it just, I just think the bigger bigger clubs are going to get bigger and bigger. Smaller clubs are just going to get smaller and smaller, and the bigger clubs will struggle without these feeder clubs, you know, because that's primarily what they are, you know. Um, so I, I don't think it's a good idea. Let the, let the Americans do American things. Uh, let's let's keep football. You know, football's a, a working man's game, and uh, let's not out uh, out price. You know, every every fan that's working his bollocks off. You know, every week to try and save a few bob to go to a match. And uh, where's where's this game on? Yeah, it's in Seattle. I won't be able to make that one. You know, I think it's bullshit. <laughs> that is yeah, that, I, I know where, where you're coming from, but I think I've kind of changed my opinion on this. Uh, recently well because especially obviously us being irish like i'd love one game a season to be played in dublin or oh, no, if it was in dublin i'd be um, grand, totally different <laughs> <laughs> like, um, it's funny though because look if, it, if it's just one game a season um i, I wouldn't really have too much of an issue with it uh because and you're going for the league and it's, you're playing on Saturday. No, then... no, listen, I, I think they'd have to organise. They wouldn't be playing the biggest games there, don't get me wrong. That would be a disgrace. But I'm just saying putting one game a season over there, so I wouldn't necessarily be... Well, I don't know, Peter, because, I mean, like, I mean, you look at it, it's... Hear say me it's... out, hear me out, hear yeah. me out. So, the, the, the thing is, like, I, I with the website, like, I, I've worked with a couple of guys who are, you know, who are American and they, they wrote for the website and... I'll be honest, like, you know, we do kind of look down at, at, at a lot of um, of American soccer fans and, you know, we take the piss when they say things like road games and PK and all the rest. But but I, I actually changed my attitude a bit because these fellas were getting up at six and seven in the morning every weekend to watch their team play. like, And it actually made me think, you know what, they're pretty fucking dedicated. Um, so if it can be done in a way so it doesn't take away the big big uh, games away from England and it boosts, it gets a bit of money in and it allows fans who are genuinely fans to get a chance to see their teams play for maybe once in a lifetime that they wouldn't get to travel over to England to watch a team play. I'm not completely against it, to be honest. But are it, like, they're not the games of, well, you said that they're not going to be sending the big games over there, but I mean, uh, are Spanish football fan, or fans of Spanish football really going to be queuing up and travelling through New York because Raya Vallecano and Getafe are playing against each other. Do you know what I mean? No, no. Well, they're, they're they're going to go. Hispanic, isn't there a community over there? So. Yeah, they're yeah, probably in Texas and a lot of places yeah, where there's, there's, a, there's a big Hispanic. But the thing is, it's, it's not the first time you know La Liga have pulled off a stunt like this. They did it at the beginning of, of January when they, they they agreed to deal with the Saudi Arabian FA um, to get some some Saudi players over in some developmental thing. I think Villarreal had a few players or whatnot, and that went tits up. A lot of players got really pissed off. I think the um, their version of the PFA got really annoyed with that agreement because you're stunning other players' growth, like local players and whatnot. So it's not the first time La Liga have pulled off something like this, but it, it was it was always going to happen. And I think it skewed them all. When you heard the news, you probably got a raging boner, to be fair, because <laughs> he's, he's, he's always wanted something like this. And don't be surprised... If you know you hear about an agreement with um, you know the Middle East, you know I mean I've been to that part of the world a few times. You know football is massive out there. You know especially like Man City, Paris Saint Germain, all those clubs owned by by Arabic clubs. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Man City play a game out there one day. It wouldn't surprise me if United play a game in LA because I know they have got a, a training camp there. Um, Liverpool in Boston with with the FSG link. So it's going to happen sooner or later, lads. I mean it's either going to be that or a Super League, and I think. If the, if the Premier League can get away with playing games away from home uh, outside of the UK, if it means 
teams ain't going to be creating a Super League, they'll be happy to do that. I have to say I agree with Danny. I think it's a massive two fingers to the cl- to the fans who are actually going to the games. I mean, it already doesn't, you know, the the gate receipts don't really make a difference to a lot of these clubs anymore. And it's did, just did, t- did you did you see that there last week, Sam? Yeah. Uh, there was a report came out that half the Premier League clubs yeah. could play in front of empty stadiums and uh, still make money. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look at the t- look, look at the TV money. Look at the TV money. Yeah. I mean, look, there there isn't much of a difference between winning. Uh, the, the prize money from winning the league to coming fourth or fifth, there isn't much of a difference, which is why the Glazers and Kroenke are happy for United and Arsenal not to, you know, win leagues or win cups. As long as they end up in the top four, that's all that matters. That's all that matters to them. And yeah, that's the way it, it goes. It's funny, I was chatting to a guy the other day in work and he, he wouldn't necessarily be the biggest football fan, but he was actually saying to me, like, why are Spurs moving to a new t- stadium and, and why are Everton looking to new, new to move to a new stadium? Because, like, they make more money off TV. And I was kind of going, no, no, like, you know, gate receipts are still a massive thing and all. And then I saw the, I saw the report the other day. That was, that was shocking, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, just 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 play in a really small stadium with a bunch of sort of VR cameras set up on one side and sell like two hundred thousand every week, just people to but virtually Sam, this, sit this in the stadium. Supposedly, the way I've seen a lot of people like in the you know in the football industry that that have said like in five to ten years that's the way it's going to be going. We're all going to be sitting there with with you know virtual reality headsets on, and you're going to be able to pick where in the stadium you want to. Yeah. You want to uh, you want to sit. You're going to have well, your personalised ads. You're going to that's probably. You saw? Did you see go. Brad Guzan the other week with a with a mic on him? Ah, yeah, fuck off. No, saw that. Yeah, yeah. Did you see it though, Peter? It was mental. I know. I saw yeah, it. Yeah. Madness. Anyway, uh, right. That's pretty much it from us. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back again next week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can send us an email to podcast at thefootballfaithful.com. And if you want to support the show, we'd really like if you would just have a look down in the info section here and uh, go along to our Patreon page. Big shout out to friend of the show, uh, Adam, who is uh, supporting us. Thank you very much. You can do it. It's just two euros uh, a month and you'll get an extra show every month then just uh, to thank you for that. For everybody else, though, it will remain free for the regular shows. But if you pay two euros a month, you'll get one extra. Simple as that. Uh, That's it from me. Thank you, Peter. Cheers, lad. Enjoyed that. Uh, Thank you, Danny. Thanks, boys. It's good to be back. And thank you, Stel. Thanks for the invite, gents. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Bye.